can't be good. Can't be good at all. I want to talk about hierarchy of risk controls. As trainers, we have the responsibility of keeping our learners safe, not only in training, but also preparing them to be safe when they've qualified with us and they're working on their own out in industry. Now, the best way I can um, help you as a trainer to help your learners as they move out into the workplace is to present the hierarchy of risk controls. The hierarchy is quite simply a scaffold or a structure whereby one is better than another and that concept is better than something else. Now, rather than talking about all the hypotheticals, let me introduce you to the hierarchy of risk controls. You can remember it quite simply by a couple of mnemonics. You might choose to use every Saturday, I eat a pizza. Every Saturday, I eat a pizza. Or you could use easily saved if everyone adopts procedures. Easily saved if everyone adopts procedures. Now, quite simply, what we do is we take the first letter of each of those monics and apply it to the hierarchy of risk controls. So let's just stay with one of them. Easily saved if everyone adopts procedures. I take the E from easily and I use eliminate. So on our hierarchy of risk controls, eliminate is the best course of action. Saved, I take my S from the word saved and I apply it to substitute on the hierarchy of risk controls. So if I can't eliminate the hazard, I substitute. Easily saved if I take the I from if and I apply it to isolate, eliminate, substitute, isolate. Easily saved if everyone, my E from everyone becomes engineering. Eliminate, substitute, isolate, engineer. Easily saved if everyone adopts Using my A from adopt, I put it across to A for administration. Eliminate, substitute, isolate, engineer, or administration. Easily saved if everyone adopts procedures. Using that P for procedure, I apply it to personal protective equipment. So, let me talk it through. The hierarchy of risk controls, eliminate, substitute, isolate, engineer, administration, and personal protective equipment. What does it all mean? True story, a few years ago, I was carried out unconscious by my learners, um, having sat on a chair that was broken and a finger crush injury on the frame of the chair resulted in my finger being cut through to the bone. I passed out from the, um, the pain and uh, I was carried out unconscious to a waiting ambulance. Now, sob stories aside, 
let's talk through that broken chair and how we could have applied the hierarchy, hierarchy of risk controls to protect me, the trainer. So if there is a broken chair, having eliminated it, having gotten rid of that broken chair, there would be no risk in the room for uh, the, the, the teacher to have sat on. But sometimes a teacher might need a chair. So rather than just eliminating the hazard, we would substitute the hazard for something that's not hazardous. So in our case of the chair, I would have gotten a new chair to replace the broken chair. Quite a simple substitution. So imagine though it's not a chair, not something that can easily be um, carried. If, if it's a, a machine, for instance, a cutting machine, it's been um, installed, it's uh, maybe 20 tonnes in weight, and it's not going anywhere. So I can't eliminate it because the machine's still in the factory. I can't substitute it because it's going to take six months to import a substitute from uh, Germany. So I can't eliminate, I can't substitute. What am I going to do? I'm going to isolate. So I'm going to get some um, um, barricades or I'm going to get some ticket tape, some emergency um, cautioning tape, maybe some um, uh, marker cones, uh, the safety cones, uh, and try and isolate the hazard from would-be users or the general public, okay? So we can't eliminate, if we can't um, uh, substitute, we can't isolate, then E for engineering, we get a qualified person involved. Now, the best example I can think of for you as a teacher is a light bulb, okay? If you look up at the top of the if you look up into the ceiling, you can probably even now see a light that needs changing. And um, it would be well within our um, capability to stand on a table, to get up and reach and to, to change out a light bulb. Now, a great old saying, just because you can doesn't mean you should. So we as trainers are not um, covered by insurance. We're not qualified to be um, climbing on tables or up on ladders to do things outside of our job description. So you get the right people involved. And um, obviously the, the light bulb um, example, it's quite a basic one, but imagine if it's a, um, a tire being changed, for instance. Um, I, uh, my cousin had a um, uh, a Land Cruiser roll over on her because an apprentice fitted the tyre. Wasn't Obviously wasn't checked off by um, the apprentice's supervisor. She's driven out onto the road, 100 kilometres an hour on a freeway, the tyres come off, she's rolled her vehicle. Now, if there had have been checks and balances in place for that apprentice to have his work checked, she wouldn't have had the car crash. So eliminate, substitute, isolate, engineer, get the right qualified people involved in fixing the hazard. Failing all of that right now, a broken chair. I can't substitute. I can't isolate. I, I, I can't do anything. I'm not going to get a welder to fix the chair. What am I going to do? I'm going to get a sign. I'm going to write, do not sit, or I'm going to write broken chair. 
and I'm going to put it on the chair in the corner of the room. I'm going to isolate it um, in the corner, barricade it in with other chairs and have a sign on it so that the learner, um, a, a, a student, doesn't go and sit on the chair and um, go unconscious as well. Hmm? So uh, wet paint, classic sign. So administration really comes down to any documentation, any procedure. So a standard operating procedure or when you're purchasing um, um, materials, it might be a, um, a material data sheet, material safety data sheet, now known, known as a safety data sheet. Um, any product that's purchased, such as paint or glue or a, um, um, you know, an, an, electric, an electric object will have a safety data sheet um, produced by the manufacturer for the user. And the paperwork, so it could be a standard operating procedure, as I mentioned, it could be an uh, emergency evacuation uh, sign on the wall. Anything that can be written down will put in the, the mix as administration. Failing all of these things, the last um, point of call be before a, um, a, a staff member or a learner is impacted by a hazard is personal protective equipment or personal protective clothing. So that might be in a situation out on the um, uh, construction site, safety boots with steel caps or high visibility vests. Could be a hard hat. Um, I had a friend in, um, in Morocco actually walking underneath a building site, a multi-storey building site. She had a brick uh, fall on her. And, um, you know, uh, she was a general public. Now, that she should have been isolated. There shouldn't have been a, an opportunity to, for her to walk underneath a building site. So isolation would have fixed that problem. But also, uh, if she had have had a hard hat, as an example, a safety helmet, um, she wouldn't have had um, the damage um, that she did, the cuts, the bleeding, the, the stitches, etc., from that falling brick. So you begin to see how that hierarchy of risk controls can keep people safe easily saved if everyone adopts procedures. Eliminate, substitute, isolate, administration, and personal protective equipment. Have I missed one? I think engineering. Eliminate, substitute, isolate, engineering, administration, and personal protective equipment. Easily saved if everyone adopts procedures. Or every Saturday, I eat a pizza. I trust that you'll keep yourself safe. I trust that you'll keep your learners safe so that they can keep themselves and others around them safe on into the future. As a trainer, last point before I let you go, um, do remember that when it comes to keeping your learners safe, we run with this um, dual uh, carriageway of safety where we have safety for the class that we're teaching so the learning environment, but we also have safety around the content that we're teaching. So as you've just heard me using the examples of a construction site, for instance, I'm going to be teaching my learners how to be safe on the construction site when they graduate, and that would involve possibly um, videos and case studies, role plays, um, uh, administration might be done on... Um, 
um, paperwork, assessments, et cetera, et cetera. Right? But at the same time, um, it's inherent that I keep my learners safe. I have a duty of care and a duty of responsibility that my participants are safe while they're learning this. So the actual classroom environment, free of um, trips, hazards, um, sharp edges, broken equipment, um, and um, that, that, that idea around safety for all. With, when it comes to hazards, it isn't just the physical hazards as I've been using examples. Don't forget that hazards may also be uh, chemical or microbiological. They could be ergonomic hazards around standing or seating or lifting. It might be around psychosocial hazards such as bullying or um, triggers from post-traumatic stress. Uh, it could be about the relationship building and equality and that, that concept around keeping learners safe emotionally in your class. So it's not just the physical hazards. Obviously, that's the, the biggest to be concerned about. But there are also these other hazards around microbiology, microbiology or chemical or um, sound, for instance. You know, uh, uh, it could be that the, the sounds are too loud. Therefore, we need our personal protective equipment, um, etc., it may also be, as I've already said, ergonomic and psychosocial. So there's just a little overview of the hierarchy of risk controls and the hazards that we need to be addressing as trainers. Thank you so much for your time.